Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Every Square Inch. I am Robert Cunningham, and this is an exciting and significant episode as it marks the first podcast of a new project that I am introducing called Christ for Kentucky. Those close to me and my former church know that a few months ago I stepped away from my role as senior pastor in order to establish a new work here in Kentucky. And what I want to do with this series of episodes is explain exactly what I will be doing in a longer form than I am able to do on our website, which is ChristForKY.org, by the way, if you want to visit that, ChristForKY.org. So I'm forming a Christian organization that is admittedly a bit unconventional, and I want to do my best to help everyone understand what exactly Christ for Kentucky will be seeking to do. But first, let me very briefly share the crazy story of God's providence that led us to this point. 2022 was a very sanctifying year for me, particularly regarding God's calling on my life. It was instigated by an opportunity that came my way, uh, an opportunity that surprised me, certainly something uh, I wasn't looking for, but it was a very weighty invitation that I felt like I could not easily dismiss without thoughtful and prayerful consideration. Now, out of respect for the folks who were Uh, pursuing me. I I really did grow to love and admire them very much. And so out of respect for them, I'm not going to go into the details of that. But what that process of consideration turned into was one of those pivotal soul-searching events in my story. Who has God made me to be? What has he gifted me to do? How can I best serve his kingdom with this vapor of a life he has entrusted to me? Well, very long and agonizing story short, I ended up turning down the opportunity. But all the prayers and processing also convinced me that the time had come for me to step away, not just from my position as senior pastor at TCPC, but from conventional pastoral ministry altogether. God used the whole process to force me to admit some things about myself that in the past, I was simply unwilling to admit. But my wife had seen these things for a while. And honestly, it was her counsel that gave me the courage to name what I would say is just the crazy way that God has wired me. She was the one who gave me the courage to not just admit who God's made me to be, but also the courage to step out in faith and live it out. You see, I, I came very close to accepting this opportunity. But Abby had some appropriate concerns. We were about to leave the community and home that we love so much to move our young family into the heart of a major city. And she was willing to go. Our kids were a little sad, but likewise willing to go. But she was asking some good questions, particularly, what if we move and this doesn't work out? What if the city is killing our family? What if it's not a good fit? After all, I'm just a dude from Kentucky moving to a context that might as well be a different world. What if that barrier is too much to overcome? And then most significantly, am I just accepting this position because I feel like I have to or because I feel like I'm called to? Because she knew I was feeling a lot of pressure to say yes to this because a lot of 
well-meaning people were in my ear saying it's just too significant and important to turn down. But if I said yes because of pressure and expectations rather than God's calling, and we know that doesn't ever work out. So she was willing to go, but questions like these kept coming up. And at one point, I almost offhandedly said to her, listen, don't worry about it. If it doesn't work out, we can always move back to Kentucky. I'll form a ministry devoted to what I love to dream about anyway, which is broad kingdom of God work in Kentucky. And I'll just give myself full time to that passion. And when I said that to her, I don't know what else to say except that it was almost as if something that had been stirring in my heart for a long time had been set free. It was such a crazy idea that I think I was unwilling to admit it. But I had this unfiltered moment of honesty with my wife. And after the words came out of my mouth, I just couldn't shake them. So much so that within 24 hours, I came back to her and said, Babe, I know this is crazy, but I I kind of hope it doesn't work out with this new position so that we get to come back and I get to do plan B. And in words I'll never forget, my wife looked at me and said, why don't you just do plan B? In fact, she said, you have to do it. You were made to do it. I've seen this in you for so long and I'm just so ready for you to embrace it and go for it. Now listen, I'm a Presbyterian, not a charismatic. I like thoughtful, proper, logical, systematic theology, which is another way of saying it's hard for God to speak to me. (laughs) But after months of agonizing prayer, begging the Lord to tell me what he wants me to do, God spoke to me through my wife as clearly as, as I have ever heard him. It was as if she was this prophetess and God was saying as clear as it could be, your time at TCPC is up. But your time in Kentucky is not. You are going to give your life away to thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Kentucky as it is in heaven. And so I turned down an opportunity that seemed crazy to turn down and also stepped away from a pastoral position that seemed crazy to step away from. And now here we are, walking by faith like never before. But every step of this faith journey over the past few months has been blessed by the Lord again and again in surprising and unmistakable ways. God has confirmed this calling, and I'm just going to continue to follow his lead until he shuts the door. But far from closing the door, he just keeps opening the door wider than I could have ever expected. So that's how we got to where we are today. Now, what am I going to be doing That's the question I've gotten countless times over the past few months. I think everyone who knows me knows that, yeah, I am a a bit crazy, but this seems crazy even for me. And so everyone's been trying to wrap their minds around it. And the purpose of this podcast series is to help with that. And hopefully not just help you understand what I'm doing, but um, hopefully you will join me in my excitement over this new work, especially if you're a Kentuckian or someone who cares deeply about Kentucky, because all that I'm going to be doing is for Jesus and the Commonwealth of Kentucky. So what is that I'm going to be doing? I think the best way to help you conceptualize the work I'm hoping to establish would be to walk us through both the name and mission of this new organization. I think by parsing out those carefully chosen words, I I will be able to explain 
what it is I'll be doing. So with the remaining time in this podcast, I want to discuss the name of our ministry. And in the next podcast, I'm going to flesh out our mission. And then in some subsequent podcasts, offer some scriptural and theological foundations and applications behind the vision of it all. But let's start with the name of the organization, Christ for Kentucky. There's a lot we're trying to say in those three words. Two are obvious, Christ and then Kentucky. So this is a Christian organization unapologetically focused on Kentucky. Now, I'm going to get to the significance of that localized focus on Kentucky in the next podcast because I do think it's something that makes our work unique. But for now, what we are saying in the name of our ministry is that we are all about Jesus Christ and all about the state of Kentucky, which is just another way of saying I am forming a work centered uh, around my two great loves, Christ and Kentucky. But it's that preposition in the middle that really gets to the heart of our ministry, Christ for Kentucky. That little word for says a lot about what we believe. Specifically, it speaks to the posture and the promise of our ministry. What do I mean by posture? I have been an open critic of the posture, or a better word that I like to use would be ethos of American evangelicalism. Ethos is less what we believe and more about how we enact those beliefs, less about the practice of our religion and more about the quote-unquote feel of our religion. So drawing on the ethics of 1 Corinthians 13, which is a famous passage speaking to the ethos of love, where Paul essentially says, you can believe all the right things, say all the right things, do all the right things, but have not love, well then, all that you believe, say, and do has been negated by your failure to love. And I have argued on this podcast that American evangelicalism is suffering from an ethos crisis. Our posture is awry. When we present Christ to the world, I wonder how Christ is being presented. Is it that Christ is for Kentucky? I think if we are honest with ourselves, we present a Christ who perhaps is against Kentucky. An adversarial, culture war, us versus them, politicized posture. Or perhaps is Christ removed from Kentucky? A posture of retreat from culture into Christian subcultures where the world is viewed as an unclean threat to be avoided. Or perhaps it may be Christ along with Kentucky, a posture of complicity, recreating Christianity in the image of our culture. But when I read the Sermon on the Mount, specifically Christ's salt and light command to his followers, it seems that we are to present to the world a Christ who is for Kentucky. That is to say, our religion exists for the good of our neighbors. And so, rather than merely critiquing the Christian posture in America, I'm wanting to be a part of the solution by reclaiming a biblical posture, thus Christ for Kentucky. But what does that even mean, right? What do we mean when we say that Christ is for Kentucky? Well, that leads us to the promise of Christ. Christ for Kentucky is not just articulating a posture, it's holding forth a promise. Implicit in our name is the conviction 
that Jesus Christ has something to offer Kentucky. Or to state it more boldly, that Kentucky needs Jesus Christ. Y'all need Jesus is a colloquial phrase we say here in Kentucky. And we believe that. Not just y'all need Jesus, we all need Jesus. That ultimately Jesus is the answer to Kentucky's problems. Now how so? Well, first and foremost, we do mean the salvation he offers to the citizens of Kentucky. And I don't want to gloss over that. We are not merely starting another generic uh, philanthropy. We are unashamedly a gospel-centered evangelistic ministry. One of the first projects I'm going to be working on is an evangelism curriculum that fits the new post-Christian world that is upon us. I've talked on this podcast about how evangelism must adapt to our rapidly changing culture that is full of skeptics, unchurched, de-churched, those who have lost their faith or are going through a faith deconstruction. This is the reality of our world now, at least from millennials on down. And so one of the first things uh, I want to do with this newfound space that I have is to reimagine and revise evangelism accordingly, creating strategies and curriculum with these changes in mind, uh, doing my best to equip Christians to be effective evangelists in our culture, hosting events for skeptics and seekers. These types of things are at the top of my list of priorities. And I'm saying all this because I don't want anyone to think that we are forgetting The greatest thing Kentucky needs from Jesus is the salvation of Jesus. But, and this is very important, when we say Kentucky needs Jesus Christ, we are not just saying the salvation that Christ offers the citizens of Kentucky, but also the redemption Christ promises to the state of Kentucky. I'm going to flesh this out in an upcoming podcast. But Christ for Kentucky strongly rejects the truncated view of Christ's gospel as only evangelism with no social implications. The gospel is not the good news that individuals get to go to heaven. It is the good news that heaven is coming down to us. There is a popular quote about Kentucky uh, that you will find on t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, name your merchandise. They've put this quote on it. Heaven must be a Kentucky kind of place. Now, legend has it that explorer Daniel Boone said it when he uh, first laid eyes on Kentucky. And that makes a great story that sells a lot of merch, but it's not true. Maybe, Maybe he said it, but he wasn't the first. The quote originally comes from an obscure 1928 revival sermon in Paintlick, Kentucky. We don't know the name of the preacher, but what he said was recorded in a private journal. And he was seeking to stir his congregation's longing, uh, longings for heaven. And so what he did was he promised that heaven would be like the Kentucky home they loved so much. Heaven is a Kentucky kind of place. Now, I don't know the eschatology of that preacher, but that's a very biblical statement. Again, I'm going to get into this in an upcoming podcast because it's so important to what we are trying to accomplish as a ministry. But the Christian hope is not that we will escape this world for a celestial heaven. It's that this world is promised to become heaven on earth. Jesus' resurrection is described as a first fruit. 
the implication is that a harvest is coming. Not only will we be raised incorruptible, but all of creation will undergo a resurrection of sorts. And this, this world will finally be as it ought to be. Injustice will give way to justice. Evil will give way to goodness. Oppression will give way to freedom. Shame will give way to glory. Obscenity will give way to beauty. Trauma will give way to healing. And on and on we can go. Every wrong will be made right. And the Christian project has to constantly bear that destiny in mind. But we're not there yet, right? We love the quote, heaven must be a Kentucky kind of place for nostalgic reasons. But if we are honest with ourselves, we must admit it is empty nostalgia. Though we love to speak of Kentucky as heaven on earth, we must also face the countless ways it is not. Yes, our commonwealth is beautiful, but it remains profoundly broken. And so we are caught within this tension. We love our state. We long for our state's full and final redemption, but we're simply not there yet. What is the Christian to do in the in-between? We are to labor with every breath the good Lord grants us to get our state closer to its destiny. When Jesus was asked how we ought to pray, he commanded us to beg, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is not an empty request. It's been prayed countless times and it has been heard and it will be answered. God's kingdom will come. God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But he never intended for us to be passive prayers. He commissioned us to be active participants in the answer to our own prayers. Jesus is fixing the world and he is fixing it through the lives of his followers. So Christ for Kentucky exists to offer leadership in that redemption project here in Kentucky. We don't have national ambitions and certainly not global ambitions. We are unashamedly focused on thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Kentucky as it is in heaven. And there's a lot of work to be done. We don't have a messianic complex um, offering inflated expectations we are simply focused on leaving Kentucky better than we found it, making Kentucky look a little more like heaven. In our generation, in this small moment of a grand redemptive story, we are simply seeking to be a conduit of Christ for Kentucky. Now, I recognize all of this is crying out for practicalities. Great vision. What are you actually going to be doing? That's what I will pick up in the next episode when we discuss our mission, which is public theology and strategy for the common good of the commonwealth. That's what we will be doing, and I'll unpack that in the next episode. But for now, rest assured that what that paint-lick preacher once promised is going to come to pass. Heaven, indeed, will be a Kentucky kind of place, and Lord, haste that day. That's our prayer. But while we pray... And while we wait, we get to work. That work is why Christ for Kentucky exists. Thanks so much for listening. But don't just listen to this one. Make sure you hear me flesh out 
the practicalities and applications of our ministry on the next episode of Every Square Inch. Thank you.